Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Authentic Woman. This is Shannon Fisher, the regular host of The Authentic Woman. This is the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and we would like to thank our sponsor, Michael Lowndes. And on this show, we like to offer a variety of perspectives on the female experience in America. Uh, And so what I've been doing lately is every few shows I've had a guest host, and I am thrilled to have a guest host tonight. Um, She's got an amazing perspective. She's uh, a strong woman who um, writes a lot, has a lot to say, and has a lot of of wonderful ideas that she has shared with us. Um, And she's got some fantastic guests that she will introduce to you in a second. Um, But first, I would just like to tell you a little bit about Leslie. Leslie Salzillo, she is a pro-choice activist. She's a political commentator, uh, a visual artist, and a music publisher. She contributes to the Daily Codes and to Liberals Unite several times a week. Um, Although political writing was never really uh, part of her master plan, um, she, in 1989, she built uh, an award-winning song publishing company, uh, and, and she would embark on protest trips and, uh, and do some political activism when time allowed. But in 2012, she was really, really struck by hearing Rush Limbaugh call Sandra Fluke a slut on uh, air and uh, for advocating for uh, birth control. And after witnessing so much of the legislation that was going on around the country and seeing that on TV, she jumped into politics full force, and she has been a force to be reckoned with ever since then. She's got a Bachelor of Science from Middle Tennessee State University. She runs several Facebook pages uh, about activism. She founded Pro-Choice Liberals, and she uh, now runs the largest Rush Limbaugh boycott page on Facebook. It has almost 90,000 followers. I, I think he's managed to uh, enrage several people along the way. Um, so uh, her, her motto is kind of that the key to reducing misogyny is to expose it. And she does a lot of raising public awareness about a lot of issues that affect women. And so without further ado, I would like to turn it over to tonight's guest host, Leslie Salzillo. Leslie, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you very much, Shannon. Thank you for the kind introduction. It it is an honor to be this week's guest host on Authentic Women. Tonight I have the pleasure of speaking with Kimberly A. Johnson and Madison Kimry. Kimberly Johnson is a feminist blogger and known for her outspoken stance on the need to secure women's rights in the U.S. Constitution by ratifying the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Johnson entered the women's rights movement as the spokesperson for RTSV United in 2012 and gave a speech at the We Are Women March at the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C. Kimberly is the author of three nonfiction books. First, The Virgin Diaries, then she wrote Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, and a recent release, just released this month, is American Women, The Pole Dance, Women in Voting. Also an actress, Kimberly portrayed a police officer on the popular daytime drama Days of Our Lives for over seven years. You can follow Kimberly on Facebook and Twitter, and and note that it's Kimberly with a L-E-Y. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi, thank you for having me. Also joining us is Madison Kimry, a 13-year-old writer, activist, and actress from North Carolina. She founded North Carolina's NC Youth Rock with the goal of restoring the opportunity for 16- and 17-year-olds to be registered to vote. Madison is also passionate about LGBT rights, women's rights, and the humane treatment of animals. She is a Davidson Young Scholar Ambassador 
and recipient of her local NAACP Chapters Youth Social Justice Award. You can follow Madison, Madison's writing on her blog, which includes Functional Human Being and also on Liberals Unite. Madison Kimry is also on Twitter. Madison, welcome and thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Kimberly, you and Madison will be speaking at the We Are Women rally in Washington, D.C. in a couple of weeks. Can you tell us more about the event and the primary goals? Um, yes, it's actually We Are Women, just to be clear. And um, the focus of the rally is going to be the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment and voting rights. And it's interesting to note that I spoke at the very first rally in 2012, and that is where I learned that the Equal Rights Amendment had not been yet had not been ratified into the Constitution. And this was something that I wasn't aware of. And then I learned that many American people don't realize this. And the woman who um, provided this information to me is a woman named Camila Lopez, and she is working on a documentary right now that will focus on the ERA. So. Um, when I heard this information, I was really shocked. I was shocked that I didn't already know it, and I was shocked that I wasn't alone. So I decided at that time um, to focus on the Equal Rights Amendment, and that's what I've been doing. And so, you know, since um, since I in 2012, since I've become interested in uh, an activist for the ERA. Um, you know, I've become friendly with the organizers of We Are Women, and now I'm one of them helping to organize the event as well as speaking. So it is our primary focus to, um, you know, get people fired up about the Equal Rights Amendment and to make sure that everybody understands um, how to, to get registered to vote and to make sure that even if there's some restrictive voting laws where you live, that you know how to get to the polls and vote. That's great. And, you know, I didn't know that the Equal Rights Amendment hadn't been passed. I, I think back in the 70s, I thought it already, you know, I just thought it went through and we were done with that. And it wasn't until last year um, at a centennial, the Women's Suffrage Centennial celebration, that I found out it had not been passed in, in a number of states. So this is really important. And we really appreciate what you're doing for that cause. That, that it's just amazing that so many people aren't aware of it. So it'll be good for the rally or just this, this whole event to to remind people and make them more aware. What I think I'd, I'd like to add, what I think that people don't really realize about the Equal Rights Amendment is the text of the amendment just um, mentions it's on account of sex. And people like to say this is the woman's amendment, but it's not true. It, it, it protects men and women from gender discrimination. And what it would, you know, some people argue that we don't need it, and they'll say um, that there are already laws in place. And while that's true, those are state laws which can be repealed and overturned. Um, if we get it into the Constitution, it then becomes federal law and much harder to repeal. And in a case of um, a discrimination suit, it can be cited by a lawyer, and it will set a precedent. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. And, and again, that's something that I didn't realize it was state by state. So it's important to get this amendment into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. in, in your new book, American Woman, the Pole Dance, Women in Voting, which was just released this month, very clever title, by the way. Thank um, you. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? 
Um, well, interestingly enough, it does kind of coincide with the, um, the rally as its focus is the importance of voting and feminism. And I talk a lot about the Equal Rights Amendment. So it's a bit of a narrative as far as, you know, when I was younger, um, I really didn't pay any attention to politics whatsoever, especially when I was in my 20s, even in some of my 30s. Um, I was blissfully unaware of what was happening. And I had figured, and this is one of the things that I wrote, um, that, you know, I, I didn't ever expect any rights, any women's rights to be repealed or rolled back. If anything, I expected that they would expand. And um, just like you in 2012, I was horrified by not only what Rush Limbaugh said, but the, the um, defunding of the Susan Komen Foundation and the shutting down of Planned Parenthood clinics and basically the Tea Party getting into office in 2011 and they started going crazy on on you know women's reproductive issues and abortion issues and all you know everything that they've done and so you know I I wanted to write this book because um, when I was younger I didn't pay attention now I do so I wrote the book for women hopefully who are like me at that time that weren't paying attention to politics don't want to read a dry text book kind of um, you know, boring thing. I wanted it to make. I wanted it to be interesting. I didn't want it to be hard to understand, but I wanted to include my perspective. And the most, you know, I mean, obviously, I come from a liberal perspective. But what I say in the book is, I don't care. You know, what political ideology you are, just pay attention, be engaged. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you don't. Um, but if you don't agree with me, then you, you know, use my reasons for voting as motivation to go vote for yourself. So I, I just want more people to be engaged in the um, political process. That's great, because I know um, if there are more people like me out there, I, I am not big on reading historical texts. I, I do like to get that personal narrative, and I read a few excerpts from your book, which is available on Amazon, and I found it very engaging. I found it very personal and was wanting to read more. So I'm going to be buying that book in the next few days, and I'm very excited, and I told you I want, uh, I want your autograph on it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so, um, uh, I think, so I think you're accomplishing what you set out to do with that book. I was also, um, you called it blissfully, um, I, I would call mine blissfully ignorant to what was going on. I, I was somewhat... Um, somewhat involved, but just it wasn't until 2012, and just something went crazy, and I, you know, and I thought, well, what have I been missing? And I know in the Bush years, they had uh, he was really trying to eliminate the right to abortion, and I, that's when I first went to Washington D.C. Um, with my daughter, who was 12 at the time, and um, that was my first real political experience. But a lot of us, I think, uh, just weren't involved um, until maybe prior when they had the women's uh, liberation movement. That's what they called it back then. I remember that. And um, but I was I was still in high school at the time. I didn't really grasp it until now. And I so appreciate what they have done. So um, I'm glad that you and others are carrying on now and taking up um, what we've lost because in a sense we have lost some of what our for mothers gained for us. So it, it, um, I'm very excited about the uh, 
We Are Women event, and I'll, I will be there. As, as a blogger now, you, you blog on Liberals Unite. What other kind of subjects are you covering? Um, well, I, I usually like to cover women's issues, but as a, a political blogger, I will um, really focus on anything that, that has my interest, whether it's race relations or, you know, um, anything having to do with politics or, or whatever crazy thing a Tea Party politician might be saying at the moment. Um, <laughs> I just think it's, you know, I mean, it's important to share the information. Occasionally I add my um, opinion. Sometimes I don't. But I think it's just important for people to, to understand what's happening. So, you know, unfortunately, it takes people to be uncomfortable to get them motivated. And I'm definitely guilty of that. I was not politically motivated when I felt comfortable. And I mistook being comfortable for being equal. And that's not to say that American women have no equality. Of course we do. We just could, we, we don't have all the equality that we should have. We're not recognized in the Constitution right now specifically for gender. And um, so, you know, I like to focus on the things that get my attention. And the, the beauty is that because we have so many different writers, including you and Madison at Liberals Unite, we have many different perspectives, not just a feminist perspective. Yeah, that's, that's why I really enjoy writing there and, and reading the articles of the other writers. Um, I was really shocked to find out that women are still being underpaid, I think it's 76 to uh, to a man's dollar of pay, and and then to see the uh, the Republicans turn down or, or, or veto uh, a bill to raise equal pay for everybody, so it's all equal. There's no gender. There's nothing. It, it's and it should be all equal. So I was I was um, put off by that, and you're, and and I and I agree with you um, with the uncomfortable. There are things that I've written that were like a punch in the stomach, and I felt like, well, if it affects me like that and it bothers me like that, then I need to get it out there because um, sometimes it's the anger that causes people to get out there and vote. Madison, um, at 13, you've accomplished quite a bit. Can you tell us how old you were when you first got involved in politics and what inspired you? I mean, I've always um, kind of, like, watched the news and paid attention, um, but I have a friend from Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, he used to play at a museum when he was little, and it was a hands-on children's museum. Um, and they denied a family, um, he, 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 they denied a family, uh, the family membership rate um, to renew their membership because the family had two moms. And that was when I really got active personally. Um, I helped spread the word on social media and kind of like helped plan some of the demonstration. And um, all, the pe all the people I met through doing that showed me just how much ordinary people can do and how those actions can become, like, part of the, the really big picture. And, like, this museum incident was just one incident, but speaking out about it, like, it brought awareness to equality as an issue as a whole. Yeah, people are very, a lot of people are afraid to speak out, and, and, and some people just don't think that their voice will count. So, exactly. Yeah, thank you for... For, for doing that, taking a stand on so many issues. You're from North Carolina, which is considered a very tumultuous state these days as the government is run by one party, the Republicans who have the majority in the House, the Senate, the state Supreme Court, and the governor's seat. Mm -hmm. um, the, yeah, the, the Moral Monday movement began last year with the motto, Four Together, Not One Step Back, and it is uh, non, it is nonpartisan. Um, 
I had the pleasure of meeting Reverend Barber, an amazing man who seems to be countering and countering the current government agenda and inspiring crowds to vote and fight against much of the turmoil that the current GOP-run government um, is causing regarding restrictions on voting, women's rights, education, health care, while allowing fracking. When I attended my second Moral Monday, you were there speaking to a crowd. Can you tell us how you got involved with Moral Mondays and your experiences with that movement? Um, well, Moral Mondays for me are kind of like rock concerts um, for ideas. Hmm. Um, there are just so many people there, and they're all, like, they're all so different. And, um, like, with all the people and the flyers and the pass-around clipboards and stuff, you learn about issues that, like, I learned about issues at my first Moral Monday that I wasn't, that I probably wouldn't, still wouldn't be aware of otherwise. And um, Reverend Barber is such an inspiration to me. Like, the first time I heard him speak, I was just blown away. And then after I met him, he's just, he's just so nice. And, uh, I mean, he's really funny, too. And he has a great sense of humor, which is something people often don't see about him. And, uh, but there are people who just, just being in their presence, you can just feel the, the leadership just oozing out of them. Um, and Reverend Barber is definitely one of those people. Um, Reverend uh, Curtis Meatwood is a really big inspiration for me as, as well. Um, he's, he's always really encouraging, and he has so much courage in the way he speaks his mind. And uh, Moral Mondays, after a while, um, you go a few times, and you, you just kind of get to know people, and it becomes kind of like a family a big family reunion every week. Yeah, I, I've only attended two when I was in North Carolina over the summer, and I was so impressed. And what I noticed, which was was so incredible, is that you see, you'd see all ages, you'd see um, all denominations. There were um, groups from the Jewish, from Presbyterian, from Muslim, from Catholics, um, Christian, and, and then you'd see uh, blacks, whites. Native Americans. Um, it, it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing yeah. to me. And all, all coming together in this very um, positive, there's a positive uh, feeling that you get. The people are smiling, yet they're angry, but they're, they're doing it peacefully. And, and that's so important. By you being involved at a young age, you're, you know, that is so great because you're going to, I saw a lot of young people there as well, and um, and that's just great that you're there to speak for them, and, and you're going to be speaking with them uh, tonight. I am actually. I'm on. The, I'm in the car on the way right now. That's that's great. Well, hopefully they usually tape a lot of their uh, rallies, don't they? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They, they'll 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 be a video somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to tune in. Um, you also founded uh, NC Youth Rock. What inspired you to create that organization? Yep, um, North Carolina Youth Rock. Um, I created it to um, just kind of raise awareness about the fact that pre-registration was eliminated with the, that huge voting law in my state. And um, it, it allowed 16- and 17-year-olds to pre-register and be added to the voter rolls when they turned 18 automatically. Um, but there was no good reason for them to eliminate it. I mean, there were no, like, incidents of abuse or fraud. And it was, it was virtually cost-free. And it was actually the first part of the voting law to go into effect. And they put it in effect right at the start of the school year last year. So that's, you know, like things that make you go, hmm, I wonder. Uh, I believe we can 
So I, I definitely believe we can get it back. Um, it passed the first time with overwhelming bipartisan support, and so we just have to get people aware and active, and that's why I started my organization, and it, it, I started to organize around it. That's great. That is so great. Um, and I think, uh, from, now I think, I know from you being outspoken on different, um, on different issues, You've had some interesting run-ins with the governor of North Carolina, McCrory. What can you tell us about that? Oh, the governor, bless his heart. (laughs) Well, I went to a protest at his mansion the night after he gave some cookies to women who were out there demonstrating for women's rights. And he wasn't there, but I was joking around with the staff when they came out to close the door of the mansion, like, hey, those cookies were really good. We want some brownies. So they came out with, the, with this with this cake, and it was like, oh, my God, like, no way did they just give protesters cake. That did not just happen. So I thought, you know, the governor really needs to start talking with some of the citizens he's been ignoring. I figured as a young person I was pretty non-threatening, and maybe we could talk about pre-registration, right? So I started a petition to meet with him, and he went on a very conservative radio show, and he called me a prop for liberal groups. And if that wasn't bad enough, a few months later he said something like, there were adults manipulating me, you know, like calling me a prop again. And he lied and said my mom is an activist for Move On. And I, re- I just wrote an open letter to him asking him to change his tune and make a video um, that can be shown in our high schools encouraging young people to be active and those that can register and vote. Um, He'll probably ignore it, I mean, obviously, though, I mean, he said he wants the citizens to come up with solutions and how to pay for them. Well, there you go, Governor. Um, Because when it comes down to it, I mean, that's the important thing here, like how our leaders treat our young people and what kind of example they're setting. I would like to add that the petition um, is what introduced me to Madison because I was on, um, and actually Madison has her own chapter in my book, and um, two of she, she contributed a piece from my book, and I also um, included this unbelievable, awesome, the best, most epic open letter ever she wrote to Phyllis Schlafly, who was basically the reason the Equal Rights Amendment was never ratified. And so Madison wrote, like, the best open letter to her ever. And I specifically (laughs) say in the book that, you know, she had just recently come out and said that women should make less money than men because um, men feel intimidated by women who earn more or something like, some stupid thing. And so I sent Madison that article, and I said, you know, you might want to address this. So literally the next, and that's all I said to her, nothing else. The next morning I woke up to that open letter and so I was like you know oh wow so I put it on Liberals Unite and it exploded it went viral and you know I know Madison got attention from Planned Parenthood and some other you know really big um, organizations calling her their new hero or heroine (laughs) so um, what I did was I, I wanted to write about my experience because when I found this phenom this young phenom I was so impressed, and I thought she was so cool. So, you know, I, I wrote an initial article about her her um, petition to McCrory, and then, um, you know, we just developed a, a friendship because we came became friends on Facebook, and um, 
you know, so as, as our friendship has grown and her star is growing, you know, brighter and brighter and brighter, I thought, well, before she becomes so famous or like the president or something, I'm going to get her <laughs> to write a piece for my book. And I, I relay, you know, I got her to, to give me the details of the McCrory Mansion cake incident. And so it's all chronicled in there for anybody who's interested, as well as the, the most awesome open letter in the world. <laughs> That's great. Yes, um, I read the letter, and it is pretty amazing, and everybody who seemed to re- who read it uh, seemed to feel the same way. Um, it's, uh, it, that's where blogging can really be effective, and uh, it, it can reach so many people um, on so many levels. And um, Madison, you've also written open letters to Sarah Palin, and... Mm-hmm. Um, and and then recently you just wrote one to Governor McCrory. Uh, yep. What was that about? It's really quite funny. It's quite. I, I basically I just told him. Um, I I I, taught, I I told him he should make a video that can be shown in high schools, encouraging young people to um, to pay attention if they can't vote now that they can't pre-register, and if they can register to to vote that they do so. And um, there's a lot more sarcastic little witty things of mine in there. But, <laughs> it's it's great. And, and um, that you can um, find that these open letters on Liberals Unite, uh, which is on on the internet, liberalsunite.org, and then look for Madison Kimry, um, or look. Well, you just have to look for. Uh, you can search open letter to um, Sarah Palin, and you'll find a, a list of her articles. And also with with Kimberly Johnson, you can do the same. Is just search her name, but of course use the L E Y. Um, and um, you can find us and me, so you can find us all there um, giving our perspectives. Um, Facebook seems to play a big part in social media, and Kimberly, you have your very own successful Facebook author page called Kimberly A. Johnson, uh, which makes sense, and it's separate from your personal timeline, and you have a a great following. Uh, In addition to your writing and blogging, what kind of benefits do you find from having a professional page on Facebook? Well, I also um, I have the like page, which is the Kimberly A. Johnson, as well as my profile page, and then I also run Rock the Slut Boat, and that was um, born from a woman named Susan Emery, who was also very upset over the Rush Limbaugh slut incident, and so she decided in April of 2012 to start that Facebook page, which has since been handed over to me, and I actually do talk about that in my book, and that's um, I think that it's important to uh, be able to reach thousands and thousands of people and let them know about, you know, I mean, I'm all about, of course I do my blogging and I do, um, you know, my own just, you know, funny, witty, sarcastic, whatever, whatever (laughs) I'm thinking off the top of my head. But I belong to some political groups and then I belong to some political activism groups, for instance, like ERI Action and We Are Women. So occasionally we work on projects, and, and I'll give you an example. One of them last year was um, there is a new movement to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. And what what happened was in 19, there was, an, there was a deadline attached to ERA, and that deadline expired in 1982. And... Um, so now the goal is we, we had ratified 35, uh, ratified 30, 30 state, 35 states. You need 38. So we only need three more states 
to ratify the amendment and to get it into the Constitution. So we're working on that three-state strategy. And so the goal is to first remove the deadline, and then we can proceed with getting those last three states ratified. So there has been resolutions introduced in the Senate and the House, and we are um, in ERA Action and a couple of other groups are working on getting signatures from senators and representatives in support of this. So once, um, once it's all ready, it will go to the floor and it will be voted on and, and hopefully passed and then we can move forward. So in an effort to do this, we need support from these senators and representatives. And of course it's like, I don't know why, but anything having to do with women is like pulling teeth. So last year, one of the projects that I was working on was getting, um, you know, getting these said senators and, and, and representatives to sign on, and, and they wouldn't. You know, giving, giving a call to their office, they would blow us off. They would give us, you know, um, a few sentences, like one, one office suggested that we focus on a, a woman senator. Another office told us, oh, why don't, why don't you just worry about getting the last three states ratified without even really, really realizing or understanding that there is a deadline attached to it and that expired. So where I came in was I wanted to expose these people and blog about them. And prior to, and so I would call them up, I would call their office, and I would let them know that I was going to do a story on whether or not they were going to sign on, and I was going to let my readers know if they didn't do it, why? And, and I offered them an opportunity to give me a reason as to why they were not in support of this. And um, so, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of BS from, from these people. So a lot of people did, you know, it worked, and they, and they signed on. Um, and it was pressure not just from me. It was pressure from a whole bunch of people in these, in these groups where, you know, so that's where the Facebook comes in. Prior to me doing an article, on somebody who was maybe refusing to sign on to this resolution, which was not even a vote, just a show of support, I would post their phone number and maybe a picture and, and say, okay, Senator so-and-so needs to be urged, you know, to support the Equal Rights Amendment. Please call the office and, you know, email and tweet. So for me, it's a form of activism. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a great way to be able to communicate. And then additionally, I learn a lot from the people that, um, whether they follow me or they follow Rock the Slut Vote or, or, or even pages that I just, you know, like um, to go visit and, and look at the comments on whether it's articles or perspectives from individuals. I have learned so much from what other people have to offer you know, and, and, and I find that if somebody puts something out there without a link or um, without citing their, you know, citing something with a link, I'll go and look for it. I, you know, it's like I see some people fighting a lot and, or, you know, how, how do I know this is true? Well, the beauty is the computer and you could just Google it. So I like to, you know, Google information and sometimes my mind is changed because of it or my perspective on, a, on an issue um, will broaden or change. So that's where I find um, Facebook very helpful. Yes, um, I I was amazed um, when I joined Facebook. I want to say it was 2009. I don't know. I I don't know where exactly I heard it online, but I heard it, and it, it was news that Susan, the Susan G. Komen um, organization was going to pull their funds from Planned Parenthood, and I believe it was Karen Handel who was. 
she just decided this, and she's been a staunch anti-choice uh, politician. Um, but this was just horrendous, and it sparked um, it sparked a protest and outrage on Facebook that I've never seen before. That's the first time where I saw the effectiveness of of uh, Facebook, and people, uh, men, women, uh, they, we were we were just. Uh, we couldn't believe it, and then what was amazing is that the people who decided they were going to all of a sudden they all they wrote to all the different uh, divisions and organizations on Facebook um, of the Susan G. Cohen, begging them, please don't do this, please, you know, this is crazy. We need Planned Parenthood, and I many of them, and they said, um, some of them said, I'm sorry, we have no control. We didn't know this. We, we agree with you. It's awful. Um, and then uh, can't. Uh, Karen kind of backtracked on her words later, and then she was um, pulled from that organization. But it did so much damage. What it what it did do is it propelled Planned Parenthood, and they um, they they received millions of dollars in donations, which was a great thing for them. But it was sad for the Coleman organization because it put a, a just a, a very bad stain on the organization, and they're still recovering for it. But that's the power of social media. Is so powerful, and I, I really commend you on, on your work. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important, and I'm um, very much looking forward to the documentary by Camila Lopez. You can actually uh, <clears throat> see a trailer on YouTube, and it's called, I think it's called Equal Means Equal. So it's it's excellent. It's an excellent trailer, and you can see that, Kamala is um, speaking to young people as well as, you know, people of all ages. But I believe she's going to get a lot of young people energized and excited. And I believe that it's, you know, the combination of Facebook and the way that we, you know, are able to promote our ideas and articles. And then this rally, hopefully anybody who reads my book and people who see Kamala's documentary, I think there's going to be a, a, a huge new movement just as there was in the 70s. And I will say this, um, Rush Limbaugh seems to be the one man who woke up a lot of sleeping feminists. Even though um, his comment about Sandra Fluke was in 2012, and since then, yes, obviously he's made other misogynistic comments and racist comments and whatnot. Um, he really woke a lot of people up, so I, I actually thank him because if it wasn't for him, I don't know, you know, I know that I would have started paying attention because of the egregious legislation that we've been seeing introduced or passed since the Tea Party gained seats because liberals chose not to vote, by the way. Um, but Rush Limbaugh kind of was like the king that, that woke everybody up, and um, eventually he will go down. And it's just kind of unfortunate on one hand that it has to take being uncomfortable to to see progress, but I don't really care as long as we see that progress. And I just hope that everybody, anybody out there who's listening, um, please, please, please vote and please be, you know, find, find one issue that you find is important to you, whether it has to do with your wallet or with, you know, if it's just a passionate thing, if it's just a, you know, maybe you want to be able to have 
a, a clinic where if you want to get an abortion, that there is a, actually a clinic available. And find out, if you don't know, how government works. And this is really important because, and I, I kind of cover this in my book, um, people tend to think, oh, well, the economy sucks, so I'm going to blame the president. Well, the president is always not the person who's, who, who can, you know, he's not the, the magic president who could just wave his magic wand. He's not a dictator. It takes a Congress. And right now he's got a Congress, especially the House, which is Republican run, working against him. And I have a girlfriend who doesn't really understand this. She just says, oh, well, Obama's in office, and I don't have any money, so I blame Obama. And so, you know, I, I take the time and explain to her, well, that's not really how it's working. You know, we've got jobs bills that have been introduced and, and jobs for veterans that have been blocked by Republicans. If they would work with Obama, maybe we would see some progress, but they're not. And it's not to say that Democrats are perfect. We have to keep them all in check. But right now, we have a hostile Congress, and, and it's Republicans who, who are trying to make this president look bad, and they don't care what it costs the American people. They've tried to repeal Obamacare over 50, like over 50 times, wasting your tax dollars. So, you know, just engage a little and understand how government works and understand that, you know, the president – nominates a Supreme Court justice, and the Senate votes on who that's going to be. So that's why midterms are really important. Exactly. There's, exactly. there's my spiel. <laughs> no, that, thank you. That, that's what I'm saying. And, and a lot of people don't realize that the government shut down, which costs billions of dollars. To 24. Rent. I think it was 24, 24 billion. billion. You can just imagine what that would, how that would have helped people in this country, but it was right. wasted. Just wasted. So, um, and yeah, and that's probably the worst um, thing right now is that a lot of people aren't aware and they're blaming it on Obama. And I can't really blame them because when I was not involved, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that, that you know, I thought, well, it's the bad administration. That's who's responsible for anything that goes wrong or right. And um, it's just not the case this time. So, um, you know, that that's really good that you mentioned all this. Um, and Madison, you you were involved in advocating um, for women's rights, LGBT, and also for the uh, humane treatment of animals. Can you tell us about your involvement with animal rights? Um, I mean, I get really fired up when I um, read about like injustices to the LGBT community, um, just because like I have friends in the LGBT community. So I mean, that's something I write about and talk about a lot. And, also, like I mean, when I run into people being bigots in in my life, I mean, I let them know that like. Doing stuff like using the word gay as an insult is not, it's, it's, not, it's just not acceptable to me. And, um, but my involvement with animals is something the public doesn't really see a lot. Um, I rescued a dog two years ago. Um, he's a Shih Tzu, um, Lhasa Apso mix, and he, who, he had been living primarily outside. And um, I took him through training, and um, I got him his Canine Good Citizen Award from the AKC, and <laughs> Um, he's such a great dog now, and you can you can tell he's really happy to just have a loving home where he's he's taken care of and and people love him. And um, I just adopted a cat a few months ago, um, so I, I I definitely look out for the animals in my community. Like if they get loose for something or, or something, and uh, when I see strays, I try to help them and uh, get care for them. 
we were just in South Carolina, and there was a stray cat outside our hotel. And uh, when the, the, the day we got there, he, he was he was fine. I mean, he was a stray, and it made me very sad. But then the next day we went out there, he looked he looked just so he, he looked really sick, and he was just not doing well. So we call we we looked for some different people, and because we heard that the shelter like they would just put him down and they wouldn't really care for him, so we called around a, a, a lot of different places and just tried to find out like who who could come get him and actually take good care of him. That's so great because they don't have they don't have a voice, and it and it takes people like you who who care um, to bring awareness and and also to help. So thank you for that work that you're doing. <laughs> Um, you've also been asked to speak at several events across the country, including this week's Moral Monday. How do you find mm-hmm. balance with school and your social life? Um, I'm homeschooled, and I take, like, online classes and stuff, so I have a really, really flexible schedule. I mean, um, I just have to kind of, like, set out every day to do what I'm going to do and then just kind of take whatever curveballs <laughs> tend to come my way. I mean, like I said, today I'm on my way to Moral Monday to speak, and I just found out I'd be doing this last night um so but when I travel uh, my mom usually comes with me because obviously I can't drive or stay in a hotel by myself but I mean she's cool and lets me do my thing um and I go places she's just kind of there she's my chauffeur (laughs) I know but I I know she'll definitely be glad when I get my driver's license well I've heard she's a pretty amazing woman um and Sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, okay, and you are in your teens still, so it gets better for both. I, I just can promise that. Um, speaking of mothers, Kimberly, in your third book, you mentioned your mom, Ann Werner, and who's also an activist and author. I've met her through Liberals Unite online, um, and she's pretty amazing. What was it like growing up with a single mom, and how do you think it's affected your work today? Well, um, as I say in my book, you know, I was raised by a feminist, and my parents were married very young, and I believe my mom and dad met when when my mom was 16 years old, and this was back in the, um, it was around 1966 or or something, or no, actually it was even before that, It it was in the early 60s when they met, so it was a very much 1950s mentality, and so, you know, Unfortunately, they were so young, and my father went off to fight in Vietnam, and, you know, they just really, you know, when he returned, it was difficult, and they weren't very much suited for each other, so they split when I was three years old, although they've always had a good relationship, and and my father has always been present in my life. Um, Growing up with my mother was, you know, I mean, for me, I didn't know anything different, so... um, even though it was the women's liberation movement and, you know, it was the whole burning of the bra, sex, drugs, and rock and roll era, um, I still had a mom that made sure we had dinner every night together um, with a very routine schedule. And, um, you know, I saw a strong woman who took care of business when, you know, when the when the sink was clogged, she didn't call plumber. She just figured out how to do it herself. And when, you know, when it was time to change the oil in her car, she did. She would do it herself. I mean, obviously, she would have a mechanic if something went wrong. But I saw a woman who was strong and, you know, took care of things and didn't rely on anybody else. And so, 
that was something, you know, and, and there were times where we struggled financially and other times where, you know, my mom is an overachiever, a very intelligent woman. So there were times in my um, youth where we had, you know, money and, and we always lived in a nice neighborhood and we always lived in a nice home. And, of course, my father, you know, helped with child support and he was always available. But I saw a strong woman. And so I think that, you know, she's influenced me a lot. I know she has. In fact, I joke that I do everything she does because I, you know, she she decided to go into acting, then I decided to go into acting. And then she started, um, she was in sales, I was in sales. She started writing, which was something that I never in a million years thought I was going to do. And people would always tell me, oh, you should write. And I would just blow them off. Yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. And then, um, it was funny because I got the idea to do the Virgin Diaries in two, was 2004, and that was just a conversation that I had with my mom one night. We were just talking, and I said, oh, it would really be cool to see a documentary about people talking about how they lost their virginity. And she had written a couple of books at that point, and she said, well, actually, I think it would be a better idea for a book because you could get people to talk anonymously and they'll be really honest about it. And I said, yeah. So we were just kicking the idea around, and then she threw it out there. She says, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to do it. So it was a long, long, long process, and eventually we collected enough stories. We got 72. Um, and, and so we, you know, we got the book out in the world in 2010. And so I ventured into the whole world of Facebook and, and blogging and, um, you know, the, and, and I write all about this in American woman, but I had written an open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut. And that was kind of the beginning of my political activism because that one blog, I had written several other ones, but that one particular blog got all kinds of attention and it, um, got the attention of, uh, the people who run Addicting Info, the blog Addicting Info, which at the time my mother was a contributor to. And they asked me to come on board, and that's when Susan Emery found me and asked me to be the spokeswoman for Rock the Slut Vote. So it all cum- culminated, and, you know, all during this time, my mother and I have a company called ARK Stories, which is A-R-K Stories, and it's a publishing company. So we put out books together together. We put out The Virgin Diaries, and and we also put out Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. Those are works that we did together. And then she's got her fiction books that are usually psychological thrillers. And then I'm, you know, I do a lot. I'm doing um, The American Woman is a political book, I guess you could say. And then my next venture, I've got a name for it, but I'm not going to tell you. But my next venture is or project is going to be um, a book on body image. And we're all, um, you know, it sounds like we're all really um, pushing people to vote. Madison, do you have any tips um, that you can give the youth of today to prepare them for vote, to to vote when they come of age? Um, I mean, we just have to kind of keep the conversation going. I mean, it, it's all about, like, especially with, with younger people. I mean, voting is cool, you know. It's, 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 it's voting voting's awesome. It's what all the cool kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Young people, though, I mean, some of them are just so anti-establishment to the point that they're almost ineffective. Like, yes, I get it, the man is holding us back and stuff, but the problem isn't government itself. The problem is that government right now doesn't reflect the will of the people, and that's because people haven't been involved like they should be. So we need young people uh, to be the change we, we want to see. And um, 
I mean, like, we're we're going to be running things someday, so let's act like it, you know? And young people need to realize that um, they employ the government. Their tax Mm -hmm. dollars pay for, um, you know, for elected official salaries, and it is their voice that either gets them in or takes them out of office. Now, granted, I can't just decide on any given Tuesday to go fire Ted Cruz, much to my chagrin, and, and even though my vote will have nothing to do with Ted Cruz, um, still, collectively, we all are a, we are all a voice, and we you know we won't always get our way. And that's you know I I got it into it with um, some Facebook guy who was trying to explain why voting was a waste of time because once he voted and he didn't get his way. And, um, you know, and it's like you're not always going to get your way when you live in a democracy, and it's always about patience. And it seems progressive values always prevail. Every once in a while we get, some, we get obstacles, we get things in the way. So when that's happening, rather than get discouraged and throw your hands up in the air, just allow it to give you more motivation to vote for the next time and understand that they are not in charge of your life you are in charge of their jobs, so take your mm-hmm. job seriously. Exactly, and, it, and it's so important to get in, uh, to vote on and on all elections, the, the primaries where you're choosing which which mm-hmm. party member um, of your party of choice you want to run against the opponent, uh, the opposing party, and and then a lot of people aren't realizing, and this is something I I, I love that uh, Reverend Barbara at Moral Mondays was pushing is that. You know, a lot of people will vote in in the presidential elections, and they did vote um, for Obama in 2008 and 2012, but they didn't show up in 2010, and we're just really pushing for them, for people to show up at these general elections this November, um, which will will determine so much of what's going to happen for the next two years especially, and then another, another two years after, and um, we have to we have to help balance Congress so that we can get fair so we can have a Congress actually that works with the president and not against the president and works for the people. And um, I just you know thank you so much both of you for joining me on Authentic Women because we've covered a lot of issues that are so important and you've uh, expanded on these issues and I think they're of great interest. So many women and men, and uh, and so I'm excited that we're getting this information out. And um, it's just so great for you to share your personal experiences and aspirations. I'll see you in Washington D.C. Both of you, and hope that many in the audience will come as well. The dates for We Are Women events are September 12th and 13th, less than two weeks away from today. So plan your transportation and hotels now and get ready for an amazing two days of advancing the rights of women in this day and age. Kimberly, thank you. Wishing you the best on your book, American Women, The Pole Dance, Women and Voting, now available on Amazon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And I would like to add, if you you have any questions, um, the the rally itself is on September 13th, and you can visit wearewoman.us for all the details. Perfect. Thank you. And Madison, we're all very excited to see the great things you will accomplish in your life given all you have accomplished in your 13 years. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Wishing all of you out there the best from Authentic Woman, which is a weekly radio show on the Authors on Air Global Radio Network. 
that is regularly hosted by women's rights leader Shannon Fisher. The show offers perspectives on the female experience through the eyes of her guests. The show delves deeply into the world of writers, artists, celebrities, and community leaders, discovering their personal inspiration and passion. Once again, we thank Kimberly A. Johnson and Madison Kimberly for joining us. And this is Leslie Salzo signing out. Thanks so much. Take care out there. Here's to all the authentic women.